don't be afraid to ask for help, but also don't be afraid to try things on your own. Um, as I think some people tend to um, skew one way or the other, like someone's either gonna ask for all the help and, and not try to do anything on their, on their own, or on the flip side, someone's gonna be the rugged individualist who has to do everything on their own and, and refuses to accept assistance. Welcome to Connecting the Resilient. This is your host, Andrew Mangan. Little history, I suffered a spinal cord injury in December 2016. I started Connecting the Resilient to share stories of people who've gone through the experience of spinal cord injuries, but also from doctors, researchers, therapists, and more who share their information and their ideas and what they've learned from being in the spinal cord injury community. For more information, please visit our website at www.connectingtheresilient.com. I'm here with uh, Andrew Bernstein. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on and speaking with us today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and so to start off, I'd love to talk a bit about um, your crash uh, and, and how you got injured. Do you think you could kind of give us a brief um, overview of, I know it was a, it was a very horrific, um, horrific crash. Do you think you could talk talk us through kind of what happened and the immediate uh kind of weeks after that yeah so um july of 2019 i was i was riding um home in here in boulder where i live and i got hit by a um someone driving a dodge cargo van um it was hit and run the driver left the scene um, and i was kind of like tossed into this little ditch and i laid there with like 35 broken bones internal bleeding collapsed lungs liver damage um and a spinal cord injury for about like 40 minutes or so before someone finally spotted me. And, um, you know, I was brought to an emergency room in Boulder where, um, uh, you know, they, they intubated me and, and kind of started to stabilize my breathing and my, and the bleeding. And I went emergency surgery to stop the, um, the bleeding in my pelvis. Um, and then I was flown to Denver, um, to, uh, to, you know, level one trauma center where I was, uh, ended up in the ICU for 10 days, uh, much of that time in a, in a coma, uh, induced coma, um, and underwent in the end, I think it was about 12 surgeries to fix all the bones and to stabilize my spinal column and to, you know, pack the pelvis and unpack the pelvis. Um, and I ended up staying at that, at Denver health at that hospital for about a month, um, until, until I was well enough to move to a, um, a long-term care facility where I stayed for another month. Um, and you know, that's where I started to do some physical therapy. Um, and then finally I ended up at Craig hospital. This is last September. Um, and Craig's where I did kind of the intensive inpatient rehab, um, and started to try and regain some strength, um, in, in my leg, my, uh, my spinal cord injury is at L2. Um, so I have, uh, paraplegia that affects my left leg primarily. Um, it's kind of an unusual presentation. I actually have uh, full normal use of my right leg and my upper extremities, um, but the left leg's impaired. Um, the muscles above my knee work um, kind of well, some some more than others. My glute and my quad work pretty well. Adductor and abductor are doing okay. My hamstring is really lagging. Um, 
And then below the knee, I have complete paralysis. I have no activation of any of the muscles in the lower leg, no control of my foot. Um, so, you know, initially when I left Craig, I was using a KAFO brace that kind of locked my knee and I was able to, you know, kind of peg leg it and get around on, on the brace and, um, and, uh, loft strand crutches. And then over the last year, um, since I left the hospital, it's been a little, well, it's been more than a year, but you know, the last 13 months since I left the hospital, um, I've progressed to, you know, first to using two crutches, but leaving the knee joint of my brace unlocked and then using the knee, leaving the knee brace unlocked at the knee and using just one crutch. Um, and then earlier this fall, I switched from the big heavy KAFO brace to a much lighter composite, um, AFO brace, uh, which does not go above my knee and it still controls my foot and helps protect my knee, but it's, uh, much less rigid. Um, and I use that, uh, most of the time with a cane. And actually lately I'm starting to walk short distances with just, just the brace and no assistive devices at all. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, a lot of, a lot of work to get to this point, but I'm definitely seeing good progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first just kind of congratulations and in, in, in recovering from that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite impressive and I'm glad we, we have you here to, to talk about it. Um, yeah, thanks. I and mean, I guess I should circle back to that. It wasn't a given. Um, I, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of other spinal cord survivors, spinal cord injury survivors, and I get envious of uh, those folks who, you know, they went over the handlebars on their bike or they, um, you know, crashed on uh, landing a ski jump and like landed on their neck or landed on their back and, and were able to have spinal fusion immediately. And you know, like in my case, um, because my injuries were so extensive, I wasn't able to, they weren't able to completely fuse my spinal cord for, um, gosh, I think it was almost two weeks after the injury. Um, so, and, you know, they had to wait until my blood pressure was stable and I then got some other infections that, you know, they had to wait to clear up. Um, and I often wonder what kind of a position I'd be in if I had been able to have that surgery sooner. So, yeah. um, that's well it's you know it's part of my story <laughs> yeah absolutely um yeah. yeah there was someone who when i was at craig i i was there with with the patient who for for some reason um he was he was from china and for some reason he never they never fused his spine and then it kind of got to the point where it wasn't it, it wasn't really um kind of worth the the benefit to do it uh the the risk the risks weren't worth it um uh, which which was was interesting, but kind of when you, I know you're in not Craig, um, you're kind of before you were moved to, to Craig to work kind of more yeah. specifically on, mm -hmm. on this recovery, you're in the hospital for two months. And, um, I mean, I imagine the beginning of that, you don't remember, you don't remember much kind of given all, all your injuries and surgeries. Um, but kind of once you like near the, the latter end of that, um, can you talk to me a bit about kind of what you were thinking and in, in your mental state at that point. Uh, I mean, I just talking to you, it, it sounds like you're a very positive guy. Um, I know from like, from your Instagram, um, you seem to be very positive. And could you just talk a bit about kind of your, your approach um, in those first couple of months to, to this injury? Um, well, 
you know, I think, you know, it would probably help your readers understand that um, prior to this injury, I was a very high level bike racer. Um, I competed in uh, elite national championships two weeks before my injury occurred. Um, you know, I was racing against people who were hopeful Olympians. And like, although I wasn't actually in danger of going to the Olympics myself, like theoretically, I was in the race that allowed people to qualify for those events. So um, I was a good athlete. And it was um, uh, pretty shocking to like be on my way home from a train day of training on the bike um, to then like waking up in a hospital a week later or 10 days later, um, unable to move in tremendous pain and being told by my loved ones that I had this paralysis. Um, and I think I kind of like was more okay with the end of like my bike racing career than I was with like the implication that I might permanently lose mobility. Um, and so I kind of tackled the, I kind of tackled the paralysis part of this with the vigor that I used to bring to training for bike racing. And I, um, you know, whatever, whatever therapy I was given, I did diligently, I would do more than I was told. And I like pushed very hard. Um, both in the hospital and since. And then I, I also just want to say that I I have friends who have complete injuries and don't have the opportunity to improve physically um, in the way that I can. But at the same time, like I, I'm so inspired by everyone I know around me who um, who is working to make their situation better, whether it's you know, improved physical ability or if it's just... Um, working within their relationships or growing stronger, stronger connections with their family or advancing their career. Um, and yeah, you know, like going on adventures and I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier today. Um, I forget the gentleman's name, but he's, he was a soldier who got wounded and he's working on a device for, um, mm -hmm. for, for bladder control. And like, to me, that's like so inspiring and he, you know, he's not going to get out of his chair and walk, but he's still finding a way to like improve his situation. And, and to help the rest of us improve our situations. And I find that very, very inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. It's something that I kind of think a lot about um, as you, as I've interacted with different people from the community, it's, it's almost that uh, I kind of believe, and I, I, mean, I strongly believe that pretty much regardless of your injury, whether it's complete and complete, there's always um, some improvement. And in, in like you touched on, whether that's mental improvement, whether that's kind of accepting or learning to um, adapt uh, and can kind of reach new goals. Um, it is definitely, I think there's always uh, room for improvement regardless of whether that's, whether that's physical or, or simply um, like mental or accomplishing something um, as, as you touched on, but I definitely, I definitely agree um, in that sense. And I think that's kind of an important, um, clarification that a lot of, well, frankly, a lot of people who don't, I mean, a lot of people who have spinal cord injuries, but also a lot of people who don't have spinal cord injuries, they kind of see is very uh, one-dimensional, um, mm -hmm. like a physical, physical sense. Right. And that's something that I've really come to appreciate more um, as time is, has gone on. Um, like one, one example that, that I'll touch on briefly is I kind of initially uh, was walking with, arm crutches when I left Craig and then I, um, switched to like one crutch and then I switched to a cane. Um, and mm -hmm. then 
And then I was able to walk without a cane and, and I can still walk without a cane. But over the past year or so, I've, I've started to kind of take my cane um, certain places, not so much because I need it, but just because it allows me so much more mobility and kind of assuredness when I'm in a crowded area or something, uh, which initially in the first couple of years of my injury is kind of if I have a cane and I can walk without one, then I should walk without one because that means I've gone farther, if you will. That means I, I've kind of progressed. Um, and I think now I'm I'm starting to appreciate that it's more about what I can do and how I can best adapt um, like the world to to my needs, um, which which is something that that is interesting, I think, is, is useful to to share. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, definitely. I, I really relate to that. I mean, as I was telling you, I'm progressing now from like needing a cane all the time to like not needing it all the time. But even so, I think I, I'm totally see where you're coming from, where I think even if I didn't technically need it, I think there's a lot of situations where I would want to have it. Um, and, you know, I've yeah. also been, I've been hiking a lot lately. And like, I, when I hike, I use two trekking poles and I don't think I would attempt to go hiking without them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, having done a lot of hiking without them, I also just got, um, well, I got the tracking poles a while ago, but I never really used them. And yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of skin, knees and hands. Yeah. My knuckles are quite <laughs> scarred. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's really important. And another interesting aspect of this injury that I've just kind of recently, understood is you talked about how you're an athlete um prior to you're you're a professional athlete prior to um well prior to your injury. i was not a professional athlete i was a very serious amateur athlete you're a high caliber athlete <laughs> thank you <laughs> um and and i i also before i got hurt i was a, a pretty serious i mean i was only in high school but i consider myself um, a pretty serious athlete and kind of since the injury as as you compare yourself to pretty much anyone around you, it's like okay, everybody can do can do more than me um, in that sense. But just recently, I I don't know if you are familiar with Whoop, the kind of um, yep. like activity tracker. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got one a couple months ago, and and just kind of seeing the statistics, um, like with my heart rate variability and stuff and recovery, it's it's fascinating because although everything is harder for me, and like when I stand up, my heart rate goes up super quickly. It also is, I'm able to recover really quickly and it's in all the sense of, um, like if you were just looking at the numbers, you say, oh, he's very athletic. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's interesting because it's almost like I am, um, like my body is as athletic as it, it can be and as, as, as it was before the injury, but it's just, there's, um, like physically I'm not able to, uh, I guess reap the rewards of that. Uh, which which has been really interesting and something that I didn't really appreciate uh, before a couple of months ago. But mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's definitely it, it's uh, it's interesting to kind of see how the body responds to uh, these sorts of injuries and and what what it does kind of behind the scenes. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, and you can. Um you can see that your body still like wants to respond in similar ways, even though its capabilities are diminished from what they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I had a question, do you, cause you're talking about kind of how you just have that, um, we're not, not just of course, but 
you only have uh, it, it only affects your you only have paralysis in your left leg. Is mm-hmm. it also do you have uh, if you don't mind me asking, what is your bowel and bladder um, control like? Um, so my I uh, I use for bowels I just use Colace, which I'm sure most of your readers know is a pretty uh, mild laxative. Um, so I'm pretty fortunate with that my bowels are close to normal function. Um, my bladder um, is, I guess I don't really know the, the, you know, they call it a neurogenic bladder, but I think that's a pretty general term. Um, I, I, inter- I use intermittent catheterization um, and I'm able to urinate independently, uh, but I'm not, but I don't ever like fully empty my bladder. So I still have to use catheters, um, you know, three or four times a day, depending on, depending on what I'm doing, what I'm consuming. Um, gotcha. And you know, my sexual function is also impaired. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was just curious kind of given that, um, how it only really affected one half. Um, for me it was, it was similar in that my kind of right side physically is, is better, but my left side, um, sensitivity wise is, is much more in tune, uh, which mm-hmm. st- is still interesting to this day. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about, I know in these past couple months, you've been super active. Just I've kind of seen from, from following you and, and seeing your progress it seems you have been just hiking longer and longer um, and doing more and more uh, kind of, have you seen, have you seen progress in the past um, couple of months? If whether or not that's progress um, kind of, in your leg or just kind of physically adapting and being able to do more and more. And, and how has that, how has that been? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, um, I've been working really hard for, you know, since, since I was able to start working hard, which I guess was last September. So it's been, you know, 13, 14 months. Um, and, you know, at first it was like going to a pool. I went to a therapy pool at a sports medicine center with a physical therapist and, you know, she would have me like walk across the pool. And at first I would need to hold on to her or I need to hold on to the side of the pool. And then I was able to start to use just a noodle to balance. And then she would have me do these, um, kickbacks where, you know, I'd be on like all, I'd be, um, what do we call when you're on all fours? There's a formal name for that. Uh, that I'm supine. Forgetting. No, good. Supine is laying down, um, uh, uh, quadruped. Um, so, you know, I'd be like quadruped in this pool and she would have me like try and kick my left leg behind me and I couldn't do it. And she would have to like help me move my leg. And, and then, you know, in February she was like, Hey, listen, like, I think we should move this party onto land. I think you're strong enough to get out of the pool. And so we started doing some physical therapy, uh, on dry land and, um, and then COVID happened and I didn't, that clinic closed down for a couple months and I was just working on my own at home. And when I was able to return, um, all of a sudden I could do that same, not all of a sudden, but you know, in, in her eyes, it was all of a sudden cause she hadn't seen me in two months, but yeah. I was suddenly able to do that same motion on my own, um, on dry land without assistance. And I, I hadn't really thought about it, but she was like, Hey, listen, like I used to have to help you do that in a pool and now you're doing it on your own. Um, so, you know, it's been a lot of things like that where I work, I work diligently on my physical therapy at home. And then I've partnered that, you know, kind of the using TheraBands and using body weight and using light dumbbells and that kind of thing. 
I've partnered that with also like riding a bike indoors and outdoors, uh, you know, first indoors. And then eventually I was confident enough to try outdoors and, um, and walking. And, you know, at first I was just walking around the neighborhood. Um, and I am fortunate to live in a part of Boulder where there's amazing trails just across the street from me. Um, Mm -hmm. so after I was comfortable on the sidewalks and like feeling better with my balance and confident with the trekking poles, uh, I started to walk the trails more and more. Um, I gave myself the goal in the springtime. I gave myself the goal of completing a 10 K by the end of summer. Um, and, and I did that. Um, I did it in end of August. Uh, I did it with a friend of mine, uh, named Jack who's, he's a quad, um, who, who very impressively walks. <laughs> um, and the two of us, you know, walked 10 K and, and, uh, it was quite an accomplishment. And then shortly after that, I got my new brace, which is like just lighter and easier to deal with. And, um, it's, it's made me a lot more mobile. So since I got the new brace, I've been all of a sudden, I'm just able to walk like much further and, um, and on harder terrain and I'm doing more elevation and, uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm not as scared as I once was to, um, to kind of push my limits. Like, uh, you know, I think when I had the older brace and it was heavy and, and I didn't really know, uh, how my body would react to like walking a certain number of miles, I, I kind of restricted myself to, um, flatter paths and like parts of Boulder where if I really got into trouble, I could call someone for a ride. Um, but as I've gotten more comfortable and as I've gotten better equipment, I've been more and more comfortable kind of like pushing my limits and going places, um, where, you know, if you need help, it's going to be a problem. (laughs) Um, but like feeling confident that I'm not going to need help. Um, so yeah, so it's been, it's been, it's been a tremendous amount of work. I work on my recovery, um, you know, two or three hours a day, um, during the week. And then on the weekends, like it's pretty much all I do. Um, which is, you know, it's maybe, maybe a little bit obsessive, but at the same time, I'm seeing such strong results. And like my goal, um, is to get as much progress as I, as I can, um, in, in the, you know, the least amount of time possible. And, um, and to keep pushing myself until I, until I reach some kind of plateau and, you know, I don't expect to get there soon. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm four years out and I am still seeing progress. I think it kind of, for me, it's, it's, it's definitely hazy, whether it's neurological progress or just I'm physically getting stronger. Um, Mm -hmm. But honestly, it's it's not it's not that important which which it is. Um, progress right. is progress. Absolutely. Um, but but yeah, I actually that was kind of the first. Um, I I connected with Jack uh, somehow two years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really remember how. Um, but that was that was the first time I was introduced to you when you guys did that that 10k. Um, that was, yeah, was that was quite impressive. Well, and it was super nice of Jack to. Um to join me. You know, I, I think I posted on social media that like, Hey, I'm going to like do this thing on Saturday. Like, let me know if you want to join. And of course, like nobody was interested, um, except for Jack. And like, I, it's not like he and I are super close friends, but you know, we'd hung out once or twice and, and he was just like, Hey, I'm down, like I'm coming. And, um, and it was, it was really nice for him to join me. And it was, it felt, it felt special to, um, to reach that milestone, uh, with someone else who like, who's kind of been on a, on a similar journey. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and of course, absolutely. like it's it's so inspiring to hear about what he does with you know rock climbing and you know setting these big ambitious uh, alpine goals. Like that's to me that's um, that's the kind of thing that that I hope to be doing in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he's putting us all to shame. Um, I recorded a really uh, really good podcast with him, and then it got deleted. So <laughs> we are oh, no. we are scheduled scheduled to do that again, um, but. But yeah, that's something that I've kind of been working on recently as well, is just trying to get further, being able to walk further and, and kind of faster. Um, something that I've been doing uh, in the past couple of years is trying to get back to triathlons. Um, but currently I can't really, because I can't run and mm-hmm. walking that amount of distance takes a really long time, yeah. um, as you know. Yeah, and so I've been mostly doing just like the bike and the swim, uh, but hopefully, hopefully one day I can get to a point where I can either bike and swim fast enough so I have enough time to walk, or uh, maybe walk slash run fast enough so I can finish. Um, but that's definitely uh, definitely something something I've been working on. Um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned working in the pool. That was something that I found super useful um, because it just allowed, as I'm sure. Um, you you can agree it just allows so much movement and there's also kind of no risk of really injury because you can't fall in the water yeah um like i use the treadmill at craig um the underwater treadmill Mm -hmm. that was kind of one of the first places that i I was able to walk kind of without any supports holding onto that bar and then they slowly Mm -hmm. kind of brought it up um each week and that was that was super useful Uh, and swimming is just still is just such a good um like i mean i think it is for everybody whether you're uh paralyzed or not is a super good exercise but for me especially just works so many muscles that i normally don't think i i use when i walk for Mm -hmm. for whatever reason um but i'm I'm glad you mentioned that yeah i mean it was um I, i also used was you know in the pool at craig and um you know my, I remember there, I was in there one night with one of the, one of the recreational therapists and I was just like kind of walking across the pool with like a noodle for support. And, um, at the time I was engaged, uh, I'm not anymore, but my fiance, my ex fiance was there and she like, she was like beside herself because she was walking. I was sorry. I was walking and like, she didn't think that I would ever do that again in any medium or any, uh, uh, um, uh, modality and i didn't quite understand (laughs) how big of a moment it was until i saw her reaction and so yeah i like i kept up the pool therapy until until covid shut all the pools down and (laughs) (laughs) hope to hope to return to the pool one of these days (laughs) yeah yeah that is uh it's a definite definite wrench um Mm -hmm. but it's you seem to be you seem to be getting through it um yeah i mean i think it's also I'm sure you've noticed this while you talked about when you went back to your, your therapist uh, and you were able to do so much. It's interesting kind of, especially in in the first couple of years, the day to day just seems very repetitive and doesn't seem like there's much improvement. But then as you look kind of week to week or month to month, um, you're really able to see that um, like the changes. Uh, That's why for me, walking is, is super useful um, to kind of see how far I can go. Uh, Mm -hmm. I erg a lot which is like a very, very useful metric because at a certain point I just can't erg anymore. And that's kind of, that's where I call it a day. Um, yeah. Is that like a rowing think, machine? 
Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's a rowing machine. Okay. Um, I thought so. I just to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's pretty good actually for me just because you're sitting, so it doesn't really require any um balance. Mm -hmm. Um the big the big thing is core uh mm -hmm. for me that's kind of my limiting limiting point, but it's it's still really really good exercise. Mm -hmm. Um I wanted to ask you, as, as many of you know, or as you know, many of uh, our listeners are people who've recently been injured or, or friends and family of, of people who've been injured and kind of, I know you have, you're very unique um, in, in pretty extreme circumstances, but kind of looking back, what would be some advice you would give to someone who's recently been injured, um, given your own experience, something that you wish you'd heard or, or maybe you did hear and it was, it was useful? Well, you know, so like I mentioned, I, I um, listened to you know, several of your episodes earlier today, and I noticed that you ask all of your guests this question. And so I was thinking about what I would say. Um, and um, there, I guess there's like a couple of things that I would suggest. And like the first is um, don't be afraid to ask for help, but also don't be afraid to try things on your own. Because um, I think some people tend to, um, skew one way or the other, like someone's either going to ask for all the help and, and not try to do anything on their, on their own, or on the flip side, someone's going to be the rugged individualist who has to do everything on their own and, and refuses to accept assistance. And I think, um, there's a happy medium, you know, I, I, um, I live alone right now, but even so, like every once in a while, I need help carrying something up from the parking lot to my, to my apartment. And, um, I've learned that, you know, rather than struggle and risk falling and hurting myself, I should just ask one of my neighbors and, and, uh, and accept the fact that I am limited and I do need assistance once in a while. And it's really not a big deal. Um, but at the same time, like I hung up lights in my, in my place and I like climbed up a ladder and, you know, it was scary and like, maybe it was a little bit risky, but it worked out and it was fine. And I'm glad I tried it and I'm glad I succeeded. Um, so, so that's, that's one. And and then I think, you know, the other one is, um, and, you know, this is, this is going to potentially sound extremely cavalier. Um, uh, but try to, um, try to move forward. Um, uh, you know, I think we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, but I think it's, you know, we are all in the spinal cord injury community. We are all lesser or different than we were before injury. And, and I think it's tempting to just kind of, um, to wallow in that and to be, to be despondent and to, um, never be able to get out of the mourning phase, uh, for what we've lost. And like, there's no doubt that we have lost a lot. Anyone who has a spinal cord injury has lost a lot. Um, some more than others, but nevertheless, like we were talking about earlier, there's still ways to make positive things out of, out of your situation, out of your life. And, um, yeah, and I would just encourage everyone listening, whether they're newly injured or have been injured for a long time to just try and improve their situation and try and improve their, their, um, their life in, in a way that feels meaningful to them. And also to accept that it may take time to figure out what it, what is that thing that really gives you purpose and direction? Yeah. 
yeah, I, I yeah, both of those points are, are very, yeah, are great. I really can't add add anything onto that. Um, but I, I definitely agree on, on on both of those, and and definitely kind of with your first point on. I really never really thought about it like that, but it's definitely you see it. There's people who either not don't do anything, but they accept all the help and, and they don't and they challenge themselves less. And then there's kind of the other side of everyone who just doesn't accept help. And as we've talked about in many cases, kind of that help allows you to do so much more. Um, so I think yeah. it's yeah, it's really good advice that kind of finding that medium while pushing yourself, um, which is also super important. So I feel depending on who you're working with, depending on the therapist, some therapists are kind of more, um, they'll go slower, they won't push you as much. And I think it's really crucial to, to, to push the boundaries to find them so that you can get past them. Um, but also kind of working with uh, what's what's given. There's so many tools that we have at our disposal, um, like with bracing and everything else and different sort of devices that can help you do so much more. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, I think I sometimes fall into the trap of like, I, ha I have amazing physical therapists. I, ha I work with four different physical therapists and they're all really talented. Um, but I have also learned that like, I need to direct them. I need to tell them like what I want and, and let them help me get there instead of letting them tell me where I should go. And, you know, I think that that's a lesson that took me a little while to learn that, you know, other people might need to think about too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's um for me it's it's been it's interesting because whenever not always but often when people like physical therapists or or coaches or whoever interacts with me it's kind of like what what can't you do like what should we be careful about mm -hmm. um which kind of for me it's I can pretty much do anything that I can do <laughs> like if if I can't do it you'll you'll be able to tell um yeah. like there's not there's not a lot of like I'm not fragile um I directly, I guess. Um, but I think that's, it's definitely, yeah, what you said is really important, um, to kind of direct your care and tell them and tell them that you can, you can take more, you can do another, another session. Um, I know yeah. you also wanted to, uh, speak about kind of given your, given your injury and, and how it occurred. Um, you wanted to speak about, speak to the listeners about safety when driving. Um, this is, something that is pretty close to to my heart as well a good family friend of ours um unfortunately um didn't survive an accident a couple of weeks ago and it's it's yeah i'd love to kind of have you talk briefly about that yeah and th thanks for bringing that up and it's a little bit tangential to the topic of your podcast but um you know car crashes are i think the first like the top cause of spinal cord injuries, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, that includes someone like me who got hit by a negligent driver, but it also includes, you know, crashes where a car hits another car. Uh, you know, I think you, I'm sure you and I both know lots of people from our time at Craig who were injured in car crashes or a car hit a motorcycle or a motorcycle crash. And uh, my belief and my understanding uh, based on traffic crash statistics is that most car accidents and crashes occur when a driver is distracted. Um, and, you know, I, in this, in this country, most people drive cars. Um, even most people in the spinal cord injury find a way to drive a car. Um, and it's whether or not it ought to be, it is a, um, 
a core part of being an American. You know, like many of us own cars, many of us live in places where we need to drive to the grocery store, to work, uh, to see friends, to go skiing, whatever it may be. Um, and so I, I always, when I have the opportunity to, to speak to a larger audience, I always like to ask people to be responsible drivers. Um, and that means uh, definitely don't use your phone when you're driving, but it also means keep two hands on the wheel and keep your eyes on the windshield and not on your passenger and obey the speed limits. And uh, just remember that your vehicle can be a weapon, um, whether or not you intend it that way. And, you know, the, people like to use the term accident, but the reality is that um, most accidents, almost probably almost all accidents involving cars are avoidable. Um, are avoidable the drivers being responsible and paying adequate attention to their surroundings and their, the circumstances around them and around their vehicle. And if we all took a little bit of ownership, more ownership of our responsibility to be safe drivers, maybe there'd be fewer spinal cord injury victims. Um, so yeah, again, thank you for bringing that up. And it, it's something that's extremely important to me. And hopefully, um, hopefully many of your listeners will hear my story and and see me as an example of like kind of worst case scenario. Well, I mean, maybe not worst case, I could be dead, but you know, close to a worst case scenario of what can happen when you, when you are not a responsible driver. Um, and certainly I'm sure that no one listening would want to do that to another human being. So hopefully, hopefully everyone out there who's hearing this, uh, will put their phone down and obey the speed limit and, uh, and, and be safer behind the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for for coming on today. I think we touched on a lot of really, really important um, aspects of kind of the recovery and the injury um, in itself. Uh, so thanks for, for taking the time and speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's really quite an honor to be to be featured on on your podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. That was Andrew Bernstein. Um, you can stay in touch with Andrew or follow along on his journey on Instagram or Twitter. His handle is at Bernie tweets. That's B E R N I E T W E E T S. So be for, be sure to give him a follow so you can stay up to date on all the cool stuff that, that he is doing. Um, really excited for some of the upcoming episodes that I should be sharing in the next couple of weeks. Um, tomorrow I will be rowing 100,000 meters for my four-year anniversary. Um, hopefully, if, if all goes according to plan, I will also be able to set the world record um, for that distance for my, um, for my category, which will be uh, pretty exciting, but I'm all doing it to, I'm doing it to raise funds for the High Fives Foundation, which is an awesome organization. Um, the link will be in the show notes. So if you are able to donate um, anything, everything's matched. So your donations are, are double as effective. Uh, so definitely be sure to do that. Um, and we can see how, how high we can get it. Until next time. Bye.